Another CONCACAF Champions League final is set, and once again, it'll be an all-Mexican affair as Club América and Monterrey prepare to play for the title. We ask why MLS teams keep getting shut out. Speaking of shutouts, the U.S. women's national team were not messing around Thursday night in Cleveland, especially not Carly Lloyd, who dropped a five spot as the Americans took out some Olympic frustrations on the visitors from Paraguay. No frustration, only jubilation when it comes to our top 10 goals. And today's edition is not to be trifled with as we span our corner of the world to bring you only the finest golazos. All that and a whole lot more starting now on Football America. Welcome into the show alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar. Hercules, lots to get to in today's show. How are you doing out there in Los Angeles? I- I'm doing great. Did you see that? That was the highlight of Orlando's night. Easy, easy. Yes, I did get to see the uh, rocket shoot off into space there. They also got to see their team, Orlando City fans. That is lose 4-2 to Montreal. Plenty coming up in this show this evening. Of course, this weekend, a huge weekend, Herc. You will know this. Down in Liga MX, we've got the Clásico Regio, Tigres against Rayados. we got a full preview coming up later in the show. Also later in the show, we're going to be joined by Jeff Carlisle. That's right. He's got the latest on the ever-nastier pay dispute between the U.S. Women's National Team and their federation. Of course, all that available for you on the podcast, which you can find in the ESPN FC feed. All right, Herc, let's start with the one and only CONCACAF Champions League. We have a final set. Going to be America against Rayados. How did we get there? Well, let's start with Club America, who went to Philadelphia, or should I say Chester, on the road, although I don't really know if we can call it on the road. It's like 90% Club America fans. And after picking up a 2-0 win in the first leg, did the job in the second leg. However, it was 0-0 for a long time, Herc, and this game was really hanging on whoever scored that first goal. And for a long time, it looked like it would be Philadelphia, except for one man, Memo Choa, who not only saves the penalty in the 50th minute, but made some other huge saves as well, Herc, I think proving beyond a doubt, beyond a doubt that he is at least the second best goalie in all of CONCACAF. Yes, Andre Blake is a great goalie, but he's not coming for my querido Memo Ochoa just yet. The goals come late for America. Nicolas Benedetti in the 79th minute, that made it one nothing. Henry Martin would add a second in stoppage time. So at the end of the day, Herc, this goes down as a 4-0 aggregate win for America, and it goes down as another blowout defeat for Major League Soccer against Liga MX. Was it anything other than that? No, uh, that was, it's what it was. Listen, it was close. Yeah, it was close in the second leg, but it wasn't close in the first leg. Uh, America did what we all knew they were going to do, sit back, pick them apart on the counter. When Philly did get a lifeline, a penalty kick, you choke, you miss. San Memo Ochoa, Paco Memo to save the date. No, it was always in the card. They had it under control. This is what they do. And now look, 21 years? Has that really been 21 years of dominance? This is uh, this is crazy. Um, I wish I could say that it's surprising, but is it really surprising, Seb? Is it really? No. No, it's not. So let's figure out why. Let's get to that, the crux of the issue. Why is it that these major league soccer teams, when it comes to CONCACAF Champions League, can just never get over the hump? And we're staring at, again, for another consecutive year in all Liga Amakis final. Money. Money, money, money. Money brings you talent. More talent on the field, the better your chances. Look at this. Look at these teams. Monterrey, 86 million. Club America, 77. Cruz Azul, 74. Philly, 30. Wow. Do you know what Philly's... 
This is the value of their team. Do you know what Philly's salary cap, what they spent in 2020 was? Do you know what it was? It was, Go on. It was $9 million. $9 million. MLS clubs are hampered with a salary cap because they absolutely mm -hmm. have to knock it out of the park when it comes to their DPs. If they don't, they're behind the eight ball. It affects what they can do with the rest of the contracts. You've seen teams like Tigres, Rayados, and Cruz Azul sign players, huge players, Andy Delor, French international players, and leave them there like it's a graveyard, a footballistic graveyard. Mm. They don't play and nothing happens. We will sign the next. Florian Tavon, if he can't do it, no worries. We'll sign the next. Maxi Mesa, if he can't do it, don't worry. We'll sign the next. MLS clubs don't have this luxury. If they miss on a DP, it affects them not only that season, but for seasons to come. What they can do with potential salaries, potential contracts, more money, more power. That's what it is. And maybe Major League Soccer can win one. Maybe. Maybe Philly could have beat America. Maybe. Maybe Toronto could have beaten um, who they who they loosened up. Chivas. Chivas. Maybe. Maybe Tigres didn't beat LAFC. Maybe. But those are one-offs. We're talking about how many straight. For Major League Soccer to really be competitive in this, it can't just be a one-off. So you say money. To me, money is a way to measure ambition, right? And we got to remind people here because it always comes back down to this. Major League Soccer is not the end product of all of American soccer. It's the end product of one business's American soccer product. And as long as that business is guaranteed the spot, that first division status, where they get to represent all of the United States, not just in CONCACAF, but really to international soccer, the United States is only going to catch up to Mexico or whoever else, anybody else in the world, incrementally. And as much as that group's ambition grows, and we got to be honest, Major League Soccer, if you want to talk about ambition, compare them to their, their contemporaries. Major League Baseball, National Football League, and, um, and NBA. You know, these groups have 20 times the salary cap that you're talking about of Major League Soccer. So, yeah, we can say money, but I think we also have to say the system here. You know, you only got, what, 27 teams competing for the four spots in CONCACAF Champions League? What if you had 400 teams? What if you had 100 teams competing for those four spots? You talk about external competition. Major League Soccer is always chasing after Liga Mekis. Well, what about internal competition? That would drive the American soccer product up, too. So, yes, you're not wrong. It's definitely down to money, but it's down to system as well. Well, to answer that down to system as well, what happened to the Open Cup? That's really what you're talking about. Where's it at? Mm. Yeah, gone. Gone in the blink of an eye. All right, so <laughs> let's move on to the other. I shouldn't say other. The second CONCACAF Champions League semifinal, Cruz Azul and Rayados. So semifinal number one goes to Rayados 1-0 in Monterrey. This game was crazy, Herc. We had, what, two goals in the first 10 minutes. Yep. Four in the first 25 minutes. Three of those belong to Rayados. They end up winning the game. Uh... Four to one, so five to one on aggregate. Herc, um, you actually called this in book it, so you weren't surprised it was a ball. No, I wasn't surprised. Look at this goal. Tell me this isn't offsides. You can't tell me he's not participating here. The right back makes a play at the ball because it's he, he thinks it's Did a it last ditch effort. No, it doesn't matter. But this is drives me nuts. This drives me nuts. Uh, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered. You're absolutely right. It should have been offsides 100%. Nobody can dispute this. The guy's making a play on the ball. It's why the right back is making that last ditch effort. But it was just bad. It was, it's You can lose. You can lose if you're Cruz Azul. Nobody's going to say anything. You built up so much good equity with your people, with the fan base. But you can't lose this way. Not at all. Mm, mm. 
So, look, by the way, I should remind folks, since we mentioned Book It, we went four for four in the last show in Book It. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we entertain it. We're also, we're also financial advisors here on Football Americas. <laughs> um, let's catalog this then. Does this count as a fracaso for Cruz Azul, the, given where they are on the table right now, ninth in the Mexican League? And, and this right now, of course, of course you have some goodwill from finally winning a championship after 24 years. Can we call this a fracaso? Yes, fracaso. Cruz Azul, yeah, hmm. it's one of those for Juan Reynoso. So harsh. Well, so harsh. Well, the thing is, this Cruz Azul team has more talent than they displayed at home. At home in the Estadio Azteca versus the Rayados team. You, know, you have to understand something right now, okay? The teams in the capital hate the Regiomontanos. They hate Tigres. They hate Monterrey because they consider themselves the next big team. So at any and all costs, they want to prove you're not an equipo grande. You're not a big team. We still are. We have the history. We have the popularity. We have the team. We have the champions. They got humiliated, humiliated in their backyard against Rayados. You can mm. lose, you just can't lose this way. What I saw from Cruz Azul was a humbling moment for Juan Reynoso. So I mentioned their league form. They've played eight games so far this season. They've only won two. Of course, you can chalk it up somewhat to Campionitis. Real quickly, on a scale of one to ten, what's the heat check on Reynoso's seat? Because he did deliver the most important title, you know, in the institution's history. No, I'd say five and a half, six. At best, Ooh, you're, you're, okay. right. Not, Thibio. Thibio. Yeah, it's yeah. lukewarm. Lukewarm at best. He, listen, 21 years. He he was the guy. Their last captain to lift the trophy. He guides them to lift the trophy this time. There is no removing him unless what happens in mm-hmm. playoff is Cruz Azulada esque. Is the Cruz Azulada era that we're used to. If that happens, yeah, he will be quick to find himself on the hot seat. All right. Speaking of managers, El Vasco. Javier Aguirre. So things have not exactly gone perfectly according to plan since he came in to Rayados. Look, it was a lot of hype. He was finally coming back to Mexican soccer. How big, how important was this for El Vasco? We, we talk about marquee games, right? We spoke about Greg Berhalter's marquee game. He's never had a marquee game. Then he finally beats Mexico. This is his marquee game. They handed him the, the keys to a Ferrari, and he was driving it like a Volvo. He's overly defensive with these players, Volvos with the nice. system. Well, Volvos are nice, but not... You don't drive a Lambo or Ferrari like a Volvo. Okay? Volvos are safe. That's what you're saying. That's He's what the producers. That's exactly. That's what the producer said. Volvos are safe. You're absolutely right. Last season they had a six-one victory over Juarez, but nobody cares about beating Juarez. It's about beating the big right. teams and beating them well. He finally beat a big team well. Javier Aguirre with this team, it almost felt like he had them under handcuffs, under restraints. They let it all out versus Cruz Azul. This was his big win. Mm. Look at the guys he's replacing, too. Like, they won, and they won right away. Turco Mohamed, Diego Alonso. So there's not a long leash at Rayados. Even those guys didn't last long. So you know he's got to deliver um, titles right away. Real quick, are they the early favorites in the CONCACAF Champions League final? They will be at home. Yeah, they're my favorites. Because just look what they do in this competition. Mm-hmm. You could say it's a very close competition because over the last mm-hmm. five years, America's been there three times. You know, America's a consistent team. But Rayados, this just seems to be their tournament. They take it seriously. And I'll tell you this, after watching Tigres come become runners-up in the last Club World Cup, you you better bet that Julio Davino, the presidency there, and the fan base is gunning for that uh, Club World Cup. Look, if there was a, a good, bad, and ugly about this game, Herc, the ugly would for sure, again, be the fact that we heard the anti-gay chants uh, in this match. In fact, we heard them multiple times. The game was stopped twice in the second half alone. It was suspended for 10 minutes. Players leaving the field, which means we finally did hit 
uh, step two of the protocol, Harkon. What really has to be said is just like another very, very sad night in Mexican soccer history. And the nights just keep getting sadder when this pops up. You know what the worst thing is? Is the division that happens online, or the division that happens in social media. When it happens, that's a problem that only happens in the states. That's a problem with Mexican Americans. But then well, we here's see your it proof. Here's your proof. Multiple times in Mexico, and it only comes. It only happens when your team is losing. That's when you show your character. Not when things are going well. It's when they're going bad. I, I don't want to see one stoppage, two stoppage. I want to see the protocol actually actually being enforced because it wasn't it, like we saw with the nationals like we saw in gold cup it just seems like whatever to finish this game we don't want to actually suspend a game it has to be zero tolerance that's the only way these teams these people are going to learn these these fan bases that's the only way now they're going to be investigated hopefully so cesar ramos the referee i actually do want to give credit because it's the first time i can think of that i've seen us even get to step two of the protocol taking the players off the field you're not ever going to get to step three, which is abandoning the match, which is the real message sender if you don't get to step two. So um, as critical as we've been of all the other referees that weren't willing, weren't brave enough to get to step two, Cesar Ramos did it in this game. And, and I, as far as I know, he's the first to do it. So I think that's worth noting. I'm with you here. The, the thing that's the most disturbing, Herc, about all this is that it's born of frustration. It was almost like it was intentionally used to shut down the match of by course. the fans. It was weaponized by the fans. And, and if that behavior, that to me is a markedly different behavior than it's a tradition, it's been happening. It, do, it doesn't change the end result, but that is a new development in the use of this chant. And that for me is very, very scary. I, I don't like where this is headed. And I, and I don't think the authorities can be aggressive enough in, in shutting this down, whatever that takes. I mean, we may be playing big games all across Mexican soccer without fans. I just want to make sure I'm gathering what you're saying the correct way. You're telling me <laughs> that they... Stop the game on purpose, tactically, by using this. No, no, no. I'm saying, as you point out, when there is frustration and the fans are upset, they say, okay, we can do this now. And who cares if our team forfeits? Correct. Because we're already losing 4-1. Correct. So, you know, Understood. let's against the system. And that's where you see it. Let's move on. Uh, more bad news, maybe. This for Jesse Marsh, who has not had a great start to his time uh, with RB Leipzig. They've won just one of four games in the Bundesliga to start the season. Of course, Champions League, they lost 6-3 to Manchester City. But the bad news is the report from Bild. Apparently, the team is, quote, unsettled by his aggressive pressing tactics. And the real bombshell hurt here. Leading players want to go back to Julian Nagelsmann's ways, which, of course, uh, we know are more about ball possession. It is a report with no names attached. It must be said, Herc. Are you buying this? It's Jesse Marsh. This early in his time in Leipzig, already in trouble. I think he was already in trouble. It's the worst start in Leipzig's history, is it not? Um, Jesse Marsh is a very good coach. He's proven here. But his passport is going to be used against him. He's going to be an American and only American where American mm. coaches don't have credibility in Europe. Now, players talk. Players talk. When these things happen, it could be a rogue player. He could be upset he's not getting playing time. It could be a group of players who it's maybe their own opinions. But players talk, and they talk to the media. They talk elsewhere. Now, if they really are unsettled, if they really aren't buying in, this is a problem for Jesse Marsh. And it's going to be a big problem if he can't figure it out soon. I'm convinced that the passport will play against him, and he will be under the microscope from here on out. Bro, you've been in these situations. Doesn't this happen in every locker room? You come in, you do things. If you're going to do things at all differently, there's going to be a negative reaction. Obviously, the, the, the slow start doesn't help, but That's this isn't is. anything out of the norm for when there's a new manager. 
Well, when you're hearing these reports, that's a little out of the norm. Players will talk amongst mm. themselves and they'll talk to the press, but when you're getting reports of the group being unsettled and wanting to change tactics openly this way, I mean, no names. It's anonymous sources, but it's still a report. You can be very sure that Jesse Marsh will be aware of this. It talks about the tactics, it talks about favoritism to certain players. Mm. Uh, players aren't always gonna be happy with certain coaches, but certain mm. players will talk amongst in a group and when that goes, if you're not buying in the same concept as a coach, it's a dangerous little mixture, a dangerous combo. One thing I would say here, Herc, is Red Bull, the organization, has invested a lot of money and a lot of time in Jesse Marsh. To only give him six games before yeah. he's on the hot seat seems like a little bit much. They, and Red Bull as an organization is, is a group that does everything by the numbers, based in data. Um, this would be a rash decision for me to move away from him any, anytime soon. That's not really what Red Bull do. So... Um, you're going to take a guy, you're going to move him from New York to be an assistant in Germany, to be the, the manager in Austria, to back to Germany to be the coach. I, I just don't think you're ready to, to cut bait that quickly. Let's talk some Champions League. We did mention Jesse Marsh's team lost 6-3 against Manchester City. Um, but the great news for American fans, holy mackerel, this is incredible. Jordan Peefock with the game winner for young boys uh, against Manchester United. It came in the 95th minute. What an amazing moment. David Wagner, your team is down 1-0. Who do you throw on for the second half? It's Jordan Peefock. Do not call me Jordan Sibachu. Do not call me Theo Sibachu. Call me Jordan Peefock. The game is tied. What is he doing? The 95th minute. There was like three seconds left. Countdown's going on. Game winner. We're going home against Manchester United. The first American to do so in the Champions League. How about the assist from Jesse Lingard? Perfect, huh? Couldn't have uh, oh, asked for a better on. helper, um, Peefock. Uh, the last time we spoke, we, we, we did a top five of American number nines. Where's Peefock in your in your top five off the top of your head right now? Oof. I mean, he's moving on up, right? Oof. Moving on up. Of course. You know what? I'm guessing he's behind Pepe. I mean, the, the top five was... No, it was top five players in the Champions League, and I left them out. It wasn't top five forwards. But if we're doing top five forwards, well, what about, he's in what there. What about the U.S. number nines? Where's yeah. he in your U.S. number nines? Yeah, he's in there. He's, he's definitely fighting for uh, top billing right now. Absolutely. Top billing. Wow, look at you going out on a limb. Top billing, please. He's got to be at least, like, top two or top three. That's right? what top billing is. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay, so um, plenty on the Champions League. Uh, let's leave that there. Let's move on to the U.S. women's national team. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 42 days after being forced to settle for a bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics, the U.S. women's national team played their first game since, and boy, were they ready. A 9-0 win, Herc, over Paraguay. Carly Lloyd with five goals. Uh, Herc, did you catch any of this, or did you stay away because I was calling it? <laughs> no, I caught a bit of this. I I couldn't believe it. It was at four goals when I, when I tuned in, but Carly Lloyd's a, a machine. Like... I, I can't remember the last time I scored five goals. I must have been playing U9s, if that. She's doing it at the international level. Uh, what does she have, like nine hat tricks in her career? Something ridiculous like this? It, it, I, is she sure she wants to retire is what I'm really asking. I mean, 
Uh, you should be asked. It's a fair question. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, this has happened nine times before. Both It was the ninth hat trick of Carly Lloyd's career, but a player has hit five goals for the U.S. women's national team nine times um, in the past. How about a few other notes here? Uh, Mallory Pugh with three assists, Andy Sullivan with two goals. Let me think, Herc. Uh, hmm. Those are the two players Where that Julie Foudy told you to watch here on Football America. The two new players uh, who weren't part of the Olympic pool. For more, uh, let's get to Julie and I. This is from Cleveland after the game last night. Julie, a scintillating performance, it must be said, by the U.S. Women's National Team. They win 9-0 against Paraguay. The scoreline lopsided, not totally unexpected. What was unexpected is Carly Lloyd scoring five goals. That was really impressive. Five and five nice ones. And, and I get it, like it's Paraguay mm -hmm. and it wasn't an opponent that brings a lot of challenges. But still, she's always in these seams. She finds the gap. She rises above on corner kicks. Um, why they weren't marking her on corner they kicks? They weren't marking very I, many folks, very to be honest. Many. Mm -hmm. I, I still am not sure. I think I would have at like three or four said, um, that number 10 needs to be a little tighter marked. Uh, but she, that, was a, that was a tremendous performance by her and a cathartic one, I think, for the team yeah. because obviously they're very disappointed in Tokyo still happy with the bronze and that response but uh, they really want to turn the page on Tokyo and that helps for sure. The efficiency from Carly Lloyd really tonight the score yes the, the five goals but she does it on just 62 touches I think another standout performer somebody that actually wasn't at the Olympics that's Mallory Pugh she had three assists on the night. Yeah and, and Mallory Pugh at 23 years old is going to be such a fun player to watch fans know her because she was one of the youngest players to come into the team 2016 Olympics she's I think the youngest player to ever score an Olympic goal uh, at 18 years old. And now, five years later, she's had some injuries. She's bounced around with NWSL teams. Can't she get back to form as you're seeing at Chicago Red Stars? Three goals, three assists there. She's creating a lot of chances in the league. Can she bring that to the national team? And she had flashes tonight where you go, I, I, I like to see her back in this mix because she brings so much. I thought Andy Sullivan mm. in the center of, of midfield playing in that six for an injured Julie Ertz had a really good game. It's hard to assess against a team like Paraguay. How good they, obviously you want to see him against tougher opposition. But still, I thought she looked clean, confident, uh, and scored two goals, her first ever international goals. Absolutely. A standout evening from the former Stanford player. Yes. I know that. Hey, how about the fact we had five on the field at one time? Five of 11. Can we just talk about that? <laughs> Stanford, they do something right over there. They're doing oh, something right. that's good. Uh, what will Vlatko Andonovsky take from tonight's match? He told us some tactical things that he might be looking at. I mean, it was 9 nothing. Did we see any of the outside backs getting forward as he would have liked? Is the wide players pinching in? Or is it all just kind of a wash when you're that much better than your opponent? It's, it's a bit of a wash. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you had Dunn getting forward, O'Hare getting forward on the other side, two outside backs he wanted to see do that. But when the team isn't presenting much offensively, it's hard to really assess. Um, but I do think what he'll take away is, again, he'll reinforce the fact that, yes, we want to extract the lesson mm. from Tokyo and learn from that and grow from that. But this is a team that can dominate at all stages and get that confidence and swagger back, which was completely absent for the first time I've ever seen at a world championship with that U.S. team in Tokyo. You didn't see that swagger that this U.S. team typically has. So these two teams are going to play again on Tuesday in Cincinnati. How does the U.S. then approach that game? Well, as they always do, they're going to they're come out firing. Yeah. Plus, it'll be a new crop of players, so probably have a different starting 11. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and these players want to prove with really World Cup qualifiers 
is not that far away, Olympics not that, sorry, World Cup in 2023, that they belong on this team because they know he's looking at what this next group is going to be because it's going to be different. We know that. Yeah, it really is kind of a critical moment for this U.S. women's national team. It was an older team that he took to Tokyo, and now there is time for that Let's call it a, a roster refresh. How gradual or maybe not gradual do you think that'll play out? I don't think it's going to happen, obviously, in these four games mm -hmm. because this is the post-Olympic tour. So they give the opportunity to these 22 players. If they don't come in, they bring in extras. He may bring in a few over 22. But that roster switch happens in November. Mm -hmm. And then it happens with urgency, I think, in December, January, when they come back into that that uh, winter window because he knows he needs fresh blood. He needs younger players. He needs a hunger in there. And, and they bring an energy that's just different. And it's time, as he knows. So the U.S. Women's National Team, 42 days after the disappointment of finishing with a bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics, turns it around with a 9-0 victory over Paraguay and five goals, Julie. Count them five for Carly Lloyd. Poor Paraguay, man. They got to play the U.S. again on Tuesday uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, next time, we'll get a crack at the U.S. Women's National Team October 21st against South Korea. That match from Kansas City, and you can watch it on ESPN2. All right, for more on the U.S. Women's National Team and their ongoing, and I really mean ongoing, pay dispute with the U.S. Soccer Federation, we call on Jeff Carlisle. You can read his work all over ESPN.com. He has been all over this story. In fact, some Jeff might say that you are in the middle of it, at least on social media. So let's use Twitter then to uh, to give folks an update and kind of a timeline of how things played out. So it was back on Tuesday that you were just tweeting a link to your story, right? That uh, there's an identical offer from the U.S. Soccer Federation to both the U.S. Women's National Team and the U.S. Men's National Team. That obviously drew a response from the U.S. Women's National Team Players Association official Twitter account. And it was uh, not exactly subtle. They called the proposal a, quote, USSF PR stunt and said the proposal didn't achieve either equal pay or the safest working conditions. Okay, we're not off to a great start. The snark continued later, a full day after your tweet, Jeff. So even with cooler heads prevailing, cooler heads didn't prevail. U.S. Soccer, from their official communications account, replied that the offer was actually in good faith and that LFG, the recently released movie by the women's national team, was a publicity stunt. Okay, so it's pretty clear that after months and months and months, Jeff, these two sides are, are no closer to a deal. Uh, let's start with the proposal, the identical nature of these proposals. I mean, are they truly identical offers that the men's national team and the women's national team are getting from the Federation? No, they're not identical. Um, when the USSF says identical, they're talking about the bonus structure and the revenue sharing percentage. Um, you know, just talking to, to folks at US Soccer, they said that certainly there would be some elements of the women's contract that would not be present in the men's contract. So, you know, I interpret that to mean that, that some of the benefits, the 401k, maternity um, leave, things of that sort, are still going to remain in the in the women's contract, but obviously that has to all be negotiated at, at the bargaining table. So you know we'll see exactly what's included and what isn't, and we'll also see if, if some of the guaranteed salaries that are currently present in the, in the women's CBA, you know, if that carries over into the new CBA. Jeff, I wonder how you can explain how 
kind of ugly this has gotten, especially with the social media back and forth, and how you think that might impact the negotiations? Uh, listen, there, there's the court of public opinion. There, there's, there's what gets said in public. But I think when it comes to bargaining and actually negotiating a deal, um, you know, I, I think both sides are going to be motivated. Now, could there be some some ill will and some bad blood? Sure. Um, you know, the, the women have obviously been engaged in this lawsuit for quite some time now. And um, obviously, you know, the LFG documentary came out, um, depending on where you sit, that was either, you know, state of the women's case or it was terribly one sided. Um, but so, but I think when it comes time to get a deal, I mean, both sides are going to want to get what done. Um, we'll, we'll just see you know, how entrenched certain positions are, and you know what you know people's definition of equal pay is. Um, you know whether that, again that includes things like guaranteed salaries and benefits. So, uh, you know, it's it's complicated. This whole thing has been complicated. But I think at the end of the day, it, it's going to be about getting together at the bargaining table and hashing this out. Let's stay on that of the definition of equal pay, because I see a lot of confusion, especially online, when it comes to this. The women have salary benefits, have a salary plus benefits. Uh, the men do not. The men have a bonus structure that women don't. What exactly are the women looking uh, for here, Jeff? Well, the women do have a bonus structure. It's just not as not as high as uh, the men's. Not as high as the men's. Um, you know, but they they do get other things. So. Uh, you know, I think the women very much want to get the same bonus structure as the men. You know, they've been, you know, they kind of hit upon the, the FIFA bonuses as one area where uh, that that allowance could be made up. But they're asking the USSF to, to make up that difference, not FIFA. So and I'm not expecting anytime soon that, that, that FIFA is going to all of a sudden open up their, their checkbook and and start pushing more and more money. Uh, into the Women's World Cup that's comparable to the men. So it, it does appear that, yes, they want the same bonus structure as the men, but they, they still want to keep, at least outwardly. I mean, we'll see what happens when they actually get to the bargaining table. At least outwardly, it seems they, they still want to keep all the things that they have now. I mean, Alex Morgan was quoted in the last few days saying, you know, we, we don't want to accept a deal that's going to have us go backward in, in some way. You know, they, they want to move forward. And, and both unions want that. I mean, obviously, the representation is going to try to get as much as they can. That's more than the last deal that they agreed upon. So, uh, again, I think it's that the women, you know, they're, they're going to go for it all. They're going to go for the bonuses and they're going to get, go for what they have already. Jeff, let, let's stay on that with both unions. Uh, this is getting ugly. It's getting ugly in the general public. Where do the U.S. men's national team stand on this? Where do the men stand with this? Because they're, I don't want to call them the vi by no means victims, but they're getting caught in the crosshairs here a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they were very close to a deal in June. Um, in fact, there was, I don't know if I characterize it as a handshake agreement, but Will Wilson, the, the USSF CEO, and the men's union agreed on, on a framework for, for a deal. Uh, but when Will Wilson took that back to the USSF Board of Directors, you know, they shot it down. And, and I think that's where some momentum for this, you know, resolving of the of the FIFA bonus structure came into play. But, um, you know, I'm hearing that, that the men's union is not happy at all with the way this panned out. I mean, when you get close to a deal and then the rug is kind of pulled out from under you, you know, that that's going to create some bitterness. So um, and I think there's concern on the part of both unions, both men and women, that they're kind of being used to, to negotiate against one another instead of bargaining with the USSF. So I think there's some skepticism on both sides or from both unions when they say or when they hear, yeah, the USSF offered us the same contract. 
you know, they, they want to see the fine print. You know, they're not, they're not just going to mm-hmm. take the USSF's word for it. And, uh, and also, they, you know, they might have legitimate reasons for wanting different things in their CBA. So um, it, it's going to be a complicated negotiation for sure. But getting back to your original question, the, the men do feel like they're, they're kind of cro- caught in the crossfire. I mean, there was talk of this whole bonus thing being weaponized against them. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. All right, Jeff, we'll leave it there for now. Great reporting this week. Great detail here on Football Americas. We really appreciate you can find more of Jeff's work over on the website. Of course, ESPN.com. You can find him on Twitter at Jeffrey Carlisle. Jeff, thanks again, man. My pleasure. Thanks, brother. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Perk, USA-Mexico World Cup qualifier coming up November 12th in Cincinnati. Ticket prices released this past week and folks are not happy. As far as I can find, the cheapest seat, 125 bucks. Herc, you cool with this? Hell no, I'm not cool with this. You're talking to a guy who... who who only played club soccer because other individuals paid for me to play club soccer. There was our team manager who paid a very rich individual, a family member that I consider like family, paid 25K so we wouldn't have to play or pay a year. Like literally, that's what it took for me to continue to play soccer in the United States. I was very fortunate. Most aren't that lucky. Most don't have that money. So trying to price out individuals for the world's game, for what's supposed to be the people's Mm. game, it's it's frightening for me. Every day this game gets more privileged at every single level, and we're seeing it now with the national team. So if you're yep. not of means, you can't go watch your national team play. Yeah. Now how's that going to extend the fan base? I mean, $125 is the cheapest seat, Herc. Uh, that's wild. And I just think of my few experiences going over to Europe. There's, there's always cheap seats. I mean, until they get sold out, obviously. But there's always a, a, a low price point option that makes it accessible to everyone. And it's, it's kind of what's your priority, right? Could you choose a bigger stadium that gives you more space, that allows you to sell more seats, maybe at a cheaper price? Or do you choose a small stadium, which means then you got to squeeze every last dollar out of the few seats you have? And that's clearly not just the Federation's choice. It's also very similar to what MLS does. As they get into these smaller and smaller, newer and newer stadiums, the prices are going up and up and up. And, I, and I've lived that here in D.C. Now, the price to get in at RFK was much different than the price at Audi Field. And it has changed the, 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 the person that can afford to go there. And, and that's problematic, dude. You don't want to be keeping people out, bottom line. That, that's what it is. You don't want to keep people, people out, especially when it comes to the U.S. men's national team. What you're pretty much saying is we want – all American fans, as long as they're of a certain class. It's what you're telling me. Mm. Yeah, we'll see if this uh, changes for some of the other games. Obviously, the USA-Mexico game is the biggest game for the Federation, so they're charging it out of premium. I think we'll see some cheaper prices for some of the other matches. Speaking of, of high ticket prices, um, this is from the prices Right the other day. MLS season tickets going for, for how much? It's MLS season tickets! 
Craig, you'll receive a 2022 season ticket package for two to the Major League Soccer Club of your choice. Be there for all of the home game action of your favorite franchise and root them on all the way to next year's Championship Cup match. VIP parking and concession snacks are included. It's an amazing prize worth $11,000. <laughs> Stop. I don't know about you, man. I better get a lot of snacks for $11,000. <laughs> Listen, I plan on being an Angel City ticket holder, and I guarantee you there was no 11 k package for season tickets there. Mm. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, unless you're, you're buying a suite, right? The suite, and then myself, I will sublet it and rent it out to other people. Unless I'm buying the actual suite, like unless I'm getting that as real estate myself. Unbelievable. $11,000, ladies and gentlemen. That's got to be an error. That's an error. That's not correct. That's not right. Chance for one last break for Seattle, and it's on here. Raul Ruiz Diaz in behind. Ruiz Diaz, Ruiz Diaz, save! Ruiz Diaz, go! Can't keep a player like this a second bite of the apple. Raul Ruiz Diaz with the waka. We're going home. The League's Cup semifinals this week as well, just like the Champions League. And boy, what a fantastic couple of games we have. Let's start with Seattle against Santos Laguna Herc, a game that you and I got to call. Seattle wins 1-0, as you just heard, on the late Raul Ruiz Diaz goal. Um, it really could have gone either way, couldn't it? It was end-to-end. Uh, -end. You see Freddy Montero there missing one inside the six. Great ball from Keller Rowe. But how about this? Look at this little shot. Stefan Fai is going to tell you he saw it all the way. I do not know about this. This is very well struck by Valdez, the Chilean international. Almost went in. It was uh, KG back and forth. Both teams going at it. And at the death, Sebastian Salazar, do what you do. <laughs> no, I got no, I got no vocal cords left after this goal and the nine goals from the U.S. Men's National Team the other night. Sounders now uh, an MLS best six, eight, and two all-time against Liga MX competition. And uh, boy, the Raúl Ruiz Díaz goal was great. It was a great moment. But hurt your boy Santos. I mean, una irresponsabilidad tremenda. What, what happened yeah, there? Yeah, that, that's true. I I was having this discussion with David Feitelson on, on Deportes, uh, one of our pundits over there, and he was like, no, I applaud that they would go for the win. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't go for the win and leave yourself that exposed in the back. Leo Shu came on, the Brazilian, and turned on the Jets. Nice little drupa for Raul Ruiz Diaz, who's just playing lights out. You take that risk, you assume the risk, and that could be the outcome. You buying this as redemption for Major League Soccer, for CONCACAF Champions League. But also, let's be honest, this is the League's Cup. The whole point of this is MLS versus Liga Mekis, and we do get that final now. You get that final, but if you're Major League Soccer, don't try to hang on the coattails of the Seattle Sounders. Right? This is the Seattle Sounders <laughs> and nobody else. The only team that consistently takes competition seriously. In Major League Soccer are the Seattle Sounders. It doesn't matter what they're doing, what they're playing, what they're competing in. If it's marbles, they want to win. MLS Cups, Finals, Open Cups, Supporters Shields, whatever you want. Selling out your stadium, celebrity ownership, a model franchise, pushing the limits with player signings, the amount of players they create into stars. I know you like giving me a tough time for the Seattle Three. Sounders. <laughs> 
but tell me I am wrong. This is Seattle's and only Seattle's. Another feather in the cap for Seattle, a model franchise, the mm. model franchise today. This Seattle gets the credit and only Seattle gets the credit. Sounds familiar to me, very familiar to me. It almost sounds like Tigres when they went to the FIFA Club World Cup. No, no, no. The rest of Mexico, the rest of Mexico doesn't get to take credit for this. this but that is, wasn't this me. That was Tigres those players. Victorio. That was no. those players, no. not me. That was Nahuel Guzman Guido Pizarro. Remember that. So Seattle punched their ticket, what was that, on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday night, Leon and Pumas met for the other spot in the league's cup final. Uh, the, I oh, mean, no. this oh, game no. played in Houston oh, at, no. uh, at BBVA Compass oh, Stadium. No. Leon wins 2 nothing. Buffalo. I'm, I'm no. the least surprising result. No, Buffalo. I mean, two minutes in, Buffalo South Southern, this is a six-minute red card, but it was two minutes in when he had it. And then just one after the other, I mean, in air right here, Colombato's going to finish it off. That's the first goal. Talavera, self-preservation here. And then rebound in, and it's just going to get worse. Second half, Santiago Ormeño comes on. Santiago Ormeño takes advantage. 2-0, like we all thought it'd be. Pumas, just one win in league play all year. Two if you count the penalty kick win to New York City FC. And if you're New York City FC right now, you must be kicking yourself. So there it is, the League's Cup Final next Wednesday in Las Vegas. Match on ESPN2. John Champion and Taylor Twelman will be on the call, but her Q and I will be there as well as we take Football Americas on the road. All right then, so what do you think? Good matchup or good, bad, ugly? Let's go good, bad, ugly, Major League Soccer from the midweek that was. How about this, Javier Lachofis Lopez? A hat trick for San Jose. He scored a goal Olimpico, but that might have been her the least impressive of the three. What a night. <laughs> By the way, Feliz Cumpleaños, Chofis! He is 27 today! Look how he celebrated his birthday. Cutting fools up. Mm. La Chofis Lopez with a night he will remember for the rest of his life. I don't care what you say, who was against. Those were some straight golazos for La Chofis Lopez. Mm. 27 today. Well, I, I do care who it was against. Uh, to that point, let's talk about La Chofis and the greater context. So he's got eight goals and one assist so far on the season. Definitely experiencing a rebirth of sorts since coming up from Chivas. Is he kind of finally living up to his potential? Because this has been a really, really hyped player from when he was very, very young. Or is this a player who's just living in a good moment against, let's be honest, weaker competition? <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. The weaker competition spot, I, I don't know. I've seen some very bad teams in Liga Mekis as well, and he didn't do that uh, against those teams in Liga Mekis. So you're saying MLS is better than Liga Mekis? That's not what I said. So let me tell you why I say this, okay? Because he's 27 today. At 22, he had Mexican pundits comparing him to Lionel Messi, saying he does Messi-like things. And what did he do? He bought into it. He read everything. He, he bought that smoke, and he says, you know what? I am. He let himself go. Mentally, it was a different Chofis Lopez. Physically, it was a different Chofis Lopez. Now, with Matias Almeida, at these 27 years of age, he's gotten a second win. And I can tell you, from being a player who's had this second win, it can be something very, very life-changing for you. He's in a great moment now within San Jose, but he's not even in a great moment. Forget about this lesser competition that you're talking about. Within this lesser competition that you're talking about, he's not even making a dent. Uh, so it's interesting that you say that. How old were you when you went to Mexico? Because you kind of did the opposite of La Chofis, no? You, you kind of run your 27. race MLS. Boom, 27. There you go. So 
La Chofis Lopez is really the next Hercules Gomez, is, is what it gets down oh, to. Oh, he better um, score like 20 goals in the next 10 games to win a scoring title if he wants easy, to. Easy, <laughs> easy, bro. Easy, relax. Um, okay, so the bad here is that San Jose, despite the hat trick, lost the game 4-3 Ouch. to Real Salt Lake. It's a, it's a result that leaves them, how about this, Herc, 11th. 11th out of 13 teams in the Western Conference. Obviously, Almeida upset after the game, and uh, he pulled a Marshawn Lynch. Let's listen in to what he had to say or what he didn't have to say. Firstly, good evening. I wanted to clear up that I'm speaking, otherwise I would get fined. Because I'm completely disagreeing with the refereeing. In a moment clave, in the 3 a 3, there was a participation of a error very grande del árbitro. In a key moment, when, uh, on the 3 3, there was a really big uh, mistake from the ref's uh, participation. Entonces, lo único que voy a decir es que estoy acá porque si no me multa. So the only thing I'm going to say is I'm here, otherwise I would get fined. Y por el respeto que les tengo a ustedes que esperaron hasta esta hora. All right, Herc, things not going well at the moment in San Jose. What do you think? Are we seeing the beginnings of a breakup? Yeah, his contract is up this December. This December, mm. their situation in San Jose is a joke right now. They've wasted, wasted away a generational talent in Chris Wondolowski. They, you love to say that. I do love to say, but it's the truth. They're going to waste away Matias Almeida if he doesn't get out of there. There's no, mm. there's no plan. There's no design. There's nothing that would make Matias Almeida feel comfortable about this. Let me tell you this. 1.24 points average per game. Lowest of any club he's coached. 29, 20, and 37. The first time in any club that he's got more losses than wins. Matias, he gone. He, uh, he played in a Chivas Legends game last week. Reports this week that Chivas want him back. So there's some flirting going on there. Uh, how about this? This is the ugly uh, from New York Red Bulls. Want to give credit where it's due here. Mark Fishkin, he's a, Fishkin, he's a longtime New York Red Bulls podcaster. He tweeted this Tuesday after their 2-1 uh, loss to Columbus, saying that uh, Red Bulls post-match presser was attended by exactly zero paid journalists, Herc and only three, uh, as Mark calls them, citizen or fan media members. Uh, I'm not a great speller. I don't know how you spell irrelevant, but I think there's an N, Y, R, and a B in there. So Metro, that's all I gotta say. Ah, uh, look at you, DC United fan. No, it's not me. Honestly, I, some clown got into it with me a, a few weeks ago online about something about the Red Bulls, but it's exactly where I was heading. The Red Bulls right now, if you're a fan, what do you have to look forward to? There you go. Nothing. I, I mean, I, I would say their academy is, is maybe a positive. Well, because but, but they got a link, to, they got link to Leipzig, but, but why aren't there any paid journalists going? Because they're not relevant enough within that market. That's the thing, right? And it's a huge market. It's New York. So if you're Major League Soccer, you got to look at this and say, if you're going to have New York in your name and you're going to take, take up one of our franchise spots, you got to be relevant. And if you're if you're Red Bull, the company, you're saying, hey, we're, we're spending all this money on this. We need journalists to show up. How about this? In case you missed it, Herc Chicharito, not just back on the field, but back in the score sheet as well. He scores the only goal for the Galaxy in a 1-1 draw against Houston. He's coming for that 15 and a half over under that we set. Dunk on him, Cheech. Dunk on him, Javier. Look at this. My man got ups. When's the last time we saw him score a header? When's the last time you saw this, honestly? Yeah, you like it. Or in there. 
11th goal of the season for Ooh. Chicharito. Where does that leave him in the Golden Boot race? Oh, what's up? Oh my goodness, is that a DC United player is on top of this? Ola That's Kamara? right, Ola Kamara coming off a coming off a hat trick look, for your boys in their three nothing win. Look at what no slata next to him would will do to a man. <laughs> my look man is jumping goals. ahead of your boy Raúl Ruiz Díaz. Settle down. Raúl plays a game every three days. Race. You know. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Uh, so Chicharito there uh, on 11 goals. He may not win the Golden Boot race, Herc, but he is convinced that the LA Galaxy can win the MLS Cup title. Para ser campeones. Eso. Créeme que no. Yo sí creo. Yo sí creo. Y prefiero que me llamen un loco como siempre. Pero yo sí creo que somos estamos para ser campeones. Y yo voy a trabajar. Prefiero que me llamen loco cuando no se consigue. Pero yo así lo creo. Yo así lo visualizo. Yo así lo siento. Y así me estoy preparando. Y así lo estoy dando todo cada entrenamiento y en cada partido. Herc, what do you think? Is Chicharito being realistic here? MLS, anything can happen. We've seen it before. But last year's winner, Columbus Crew, they gave up 21 goals all season. This LA mm -hmm. Galaxy, mm -hmm. why a much improved version of the Greg Vanny, already gave up 37 goals. The last seven champions have given up an average of 38.5 goals a season. There's 10 games left. 10 games left. They can only give up one and a half goals in those 10 games to hit that average. So you're just basically saying their defense is not championship quality. That's exactly what I'm saying. I love what I love what Greg Vanny's done. I love this new Javier Hernandez. But we've seen Major League Soccer and we've seen how tight these playoff structures are and which teams mm -hmm. normally come out on top. They're the better defensive teams in the playoffs. So if they can change yeah. who they are, who they've been, maybe. Would I bet my money on it? No. I think there's probably three teams that I would pick ahead of them right now that are pretty clearly ahead of them. Not that there aren't others that might be, but you got, at least in the West, Seattle and Sporting Kansas City, yep. and in the East, New England, right? I mean, those yep. three right there are, if we were, and we don't have the odds in front of us, but if we were to make odds, those three would be ahead of the galaxy for sure. I'm with you. And we do make odds, and we Absolutely. pick winners. That's what we do. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. El Clásico Regio, Tigres versus Rayados, bragging rights for the city of Monterrey on the line Sunday when Rayados hosts Tigres in the 126 all-time meeting between the two teams. It must be said, this is one of the top rivalries, not just in Mexico, but in the entire region, if not the top rivalry. But it is, Herc, a rivalry that at least in recent times has been dominated uh, by your beloved Tigres. Uh, you got any explanation for that? Don't throw Other salt. Than you left. Don't throw salt in this <laughs> game, my friend. Uh, it's been going back and forth. I wouldn't just say, hey, they've been dominating as of late. It's going to happen. Money, mm -hmm. money, money. Talent, talent, talent. It's amazing the star power on display. It's amazing, honestly, these two teams and what they've done as of late. I should say as of late in the last decade. But yeah, uh, I don't know why Tigres keeps winning. I like it mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. Four straight wins for Tigres and in the series. All right, so let's break this thing down. Let's start uh, with the managers. We got two big names here, big names. El Vasco Aguirre 
and Miguel El Piojo Herrera. Between the two of them, because this is a big game, who do you trust more in the big moment? For me, it's very clear, huh? I trust more Miguel Herrera, especially at the Liga MX level. Uh, Miguel Herrera has tried and tested. He's been there, done that. He knows what it's about when it comes to playoffs. His teams play a certain brand in playoffs. I don't know what to expect out of Javier Aguirre and these rayados in any game. Any game. Now, forget a Clásico. Forget a big situation game. I don't know which version I'm going to get. I know what version of Miguel Herrera's team I'm going to get, so I trust Miguel Herrera. Okay, so uh, let me think back to my youth, my younger days as a, as a, as a true fanboy of the Mexican national team, because that's what I'm basing this off of, right? Oh, I know Yo where was a great big game coach for Mexico. He takes over in a crisis, gets them qualified. Boom, no problem. In the World Cup, arguably group of death, they take seven of nine points, draw Brazil into Brazil, have a great performance in the round of 16, okay. even if they don't win. Even if they don't win. Gold Cup 2015, I'll even go there. They play horrible the whole tournament. They still win the final and actually play very well in the final to beat Jamaica uh, and claim that tournament. We didn't know at the time that it would be his last. Now, for Aguirre, for me, as a fan of the national team, I can never, ever, ever forgive oh, 2002. For me, El Vasco Aguirre <laughs> will always be the guy who got out coached by Bruce Serena, Serena with better players and a better playing team in 2002. And so for that, I will always, always hold it against him that his big game, the big game moments... There's that hint of fracaso. I can't, I can't move past 2002, Herc. It and, hurt me so and, deep. And I'm with you. I just want to clarify. Did you say group of death for Mexico in 2014? That was, a, that was the U.S. men's national team. That was also the other group with Uruguay, Italy, England. What, what are you uh, talking about? Uruguay, look at you looking back at 2014 where you're still Come on. in your playing US, days. Costa Rica, yeah, Costa, Rica, death. Costa Rica got out of the group of death. Yeah, yes, those okay, two were groups okay. of death. Now what you're talking about, what are you talking the, about? Let's get to the combined 11 for this game, right? So you got both rosters, and you got to pick an 11, Herc. This is your homework for the day. Uh, break it down here. What do you got? You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is that eight Tigres players? No, no seven. Seven, seven Tigres players. You went seven and four. No surprise, your biased way is showing through here. Biased ways? What are you talking about? Guzman mm-hmm. deserves to be. Mm-hmm. Gallardo, I've got Gallardo there. It's easy. Chaka's easy. Mm-hmm. Medina, who plays as a center back, playing out of position right now as a right back. But I love Stefan Medina. He's going to be in there. Salcedo. Salcedo's getting a bad rap. He's being a scapegoat on many oh, fronts. Okay. I like this guy. Pizarro. Pizarro's one of the better players. He's been one of the best players in Liga MX for quite some time. He'll be there. Uh, Dueñas is, uh, right now, I got a lot of heat from our Mauricio Pedro. I said, why is Charlie not there? Why is Because Dueñas actually produces goals and assists, and he's a big-time player in big-time games. Mm. Ortiz, I got to have Celso. Someone's living in the past. Diente Lopez. You know he's the leading goal scorer right now in Liga Mekis? Andre Pierre Gignac. Do you know Andre Pierre Gignac? Do you know who he is? There's nobody's touching Andre Pierre Gignac in Liga uh, Mekis. I'm sorry, Rogelio Funes Mori. You are out. And Maxi Mesa is on a tear right now, whether it's League or mm. CONCACAF Champions League. This man is on fire. He's somebody to be contended with. Don't at me with this lineup, please. Yeah, let's break this down, though, because there's some huge names, Herc, that are yeah. left out. I mean, I'm not even going to necessarily criticize you on each one, but it goes to show the quality between these two teams. Um, you're leaving a guy like Cesar Montes, who's yeah. starting for Mexico out of the back line, out of, out of the two center backs. I'm really surprised you did what with Salcedo over Montes. Well, well, hold on a second. Cesar Montes is starting because Moreno wasn't ready. You're, you're living okay, in the because past. Because Salcedo didn't go. Because Johan Vasquez didn't go. He's a liability. He was a liability at the U23 uh, tournament in, in Tokyo. He's a liability Hater. when they play. I think he's a very good center back. 
but he's below the totem pole when you're talking about the rest. And Ugo Ayala, did, I didn't even mention Ugo Ayala, by the way, who is on the little mm. older side, but he's still a very good center back. So yeah, this is why I don't have Cesar Montes in there. Uh, quick question, quick answer. Uh, Montes or Hector Moreno, who is closer to this 11 for you? Montes. Yeah, I like Hector okay. Moreno okay. a lot, but I think he's on the latter side of that 30 now, and I think his body's breaking down a bit. I, I don't think physically um, he's at that level right now. You know who else you left out? Who? A World Cup winner, Florian Tavan. I mean, the, like, bombazo fichaje for Tigres. I mean, that's a that's a player who, at least on resume, certainly deserves to be in this 11. You're saying on play he doesn't deserve to be in it. He's been better. Look at this goal. This strike is something else. It's a very clean finish. It's a very good finish. But are we going to put him over El Diente Lopez, who's leading Liga Mekis in goal score right now? Are we going to put him over Maxi? Mesa, who's one of the leading goal creators in all of Mexico, whether that's cup or whether that's league. Oh, I'm not going to put him over either one. And mm. you're certainly not going to put him anywhere else in the midfield because he doesn't fit. So I'm not just going to peg him in somewhere to peg him in somewhere. He's not better than Yente Lopez right now, nor Maxi Mesa. Okay, the other big name that's not here, Rogelio Funes Mori. Now it's a big name, but if you're only playing with one central striker, he's competing with Andre Pierre Gignac. I can totally see why you would leave him out still. Rogelio Funes Mori being left out. Again, more evidence of just how much talent these two teams stockpile. Exactly. If I was playing a two-forward system, he would automatically be in. It's leading goal scorer in Rayados history versus leading goal scorer in Tigres history. But What's Andre the tiebreaker? The tiebreaker is, obviously the tiebreaker is what you've done, is who you are. Andre Pierre Gignac, even at 35 years old, is still one of the best players in Liga Amekis. When you talk about one of the best signings, foreign signings ever in Liga Amekis, when you talk about if you could put one player on display for the rest of the world, it would be Andre Pierre Gignac. So plenty of great rivalries, uh, not just throughout Mexico, Herc, but really throughout all of CONCACAF. But on terms of quality, right, and, and thinking about the 11 that you just picked, on paper, is this game the best paper game in CONCACAF. I mean, look at the prices. Look at the value. Look at where these players have played. Nahuel Guzman was an Argentine national team. You know, what? there's a World Cup winner. There, there's multiple players, I mean, multiple millions that they make, multiple uh, championships, whether that's CONCACAF, whether that's Liga Mekis. The only, the only comparable Clásico that comes to mind is Cruz Azul versus America. And even on paper, mm. or off of paper, it's the only comparable, the only one that rivals this. And then it's even then it's a toss-up. Even then it's like, whoa, you're dividing hair, you're splitting hairs because of the amount of money thrown around, the amount of talent on those rosters. For my money, this is the most talented. But the Cruz Azul yeah. America, I mean, that's arguably the most talented as well. I think, though, the trend is clearly heading north, right? Like five, ten years ago, there was more money. That the, the difference in money being spent between a Cruz Azul and America and the teams in the north was not as much. Now America is not the big spender. Cruz no. Azul is not spending as much as they have in the past. So the gap there getting, getting further between you know, the talent in those two uh, rivalry matches. All right, let's give you a little history lesson here, shall we? The top five moments in Ooh. Clásico... Regio history. Let's see if Hercules Gomez makes his, his way into any of these. Start at uh, number five. This one back in 2004, Herc. Diogo Herrera at the time in charge of Rayados for what would end up being Monterrey's worst loss ever in Clásico Regio history. A heavy 6-2 defeat. 
Man, this is going back into the archives. You know Guillafranco was playing for Monterrey at this moment? You know who else was playing for Monterrey? Rayados in this moment? There was a young buck by the name of Peralta. Oribe Peralta, who mm. came on as a sub for Rayados. Mm. This one hurt. Apertura oh, six goals he got scored against. Oof. Six. Apertura 2004, that the 75th edition of El Clásico Regio. All right, let's go to number four. Edition number 108 of El Clásico Regio. Famous not necessarily, Herc, um, for what happened during the game, but for what happened after the game. Yeah, maybe after the game, but this was still a great game during the game. This is the game where Nahuel Guzman stops two penalties and they still don't advance to the next round. It was a quarterfinal game. This guy, by the way, red carded me as well. He's uh, he's lost the plot. I don't blame Tuca. Tuca wasn't happy. He's upset. I get you, Tuca. I understand. Monterrey advances on the table, the standings. I don't like it either, Tuca. Tuca there giving it to uh, giving it to everybody, giving it to the fourth official there. He wasn't done. He saved some steam for uh, after the match when he got into his post-game press conference. Let's listen. Listen in. In su casa, usted pone sus reglas. En mi casa, pongo yo. Y nosotros aquí estamos acostumbrados así. No le voy a discutir con usted. En las damas primeras se acabó. Punto. Y así tengo seis años aquí. Y usted no me va a decir qué carajo tengo que hacer. Cállese carajo. He's got morals, Tuka. man. He's got manners. <laughs> ladies first. The yeah. women reporters, the ladies go first. It's that easy. Yeah, that's a famous rule of, of Tuca there. All right, number three, 2019 CONCACAF Champions League final. Rayados beating Tigres in the biggest of games. Oh, it's It's like Champions League, okay? It was a Champions League final. They lost. That's fine. This was what hurt most was this is the third time that Down Tigres played. The Rayados win. Let Look me tell you. you, what hurt most for Tigres was the third time that Tigres made it to the final in the CONCACAF Champions League and they couldn't win and they lose to their maximum, to the biggest rival they have. Now this kind of cemented, at least momentarily, Tigres. Look at that. Suffering and struggling in the international Miami. level. Such greater things, you know? Number two, 2017, Apertura. Tigres winning the title at Rayado Stadium. That's a stinger. That's a stinger because it was the first final played there. Look at that. Edu Vargas. Edu de mi corazón. What a good player. In Brazil right now, just tearing it up. I miss the Chilean, by the way. And then, how about this? Why is he there? Why is he there? <laughs> Look at Mesa. Look at Mesa. I miss him. I miss Mesa. So many injuries. That guy, what a player. It was the 2-1, and we're going home. This was, for Hugo Gonzalez, a nightmare. He would, uh be the beginning of the end with the fan base for him, the Rayados goalkeeper. Edu Vargas, Mexican national team fans. Juan Ooh. Carlos Osorio. That 7-0 still sends chills down the spine. All right, the number one moment, right? So it's one thing to beat your rival for the title in their home stadium. The only thing that could be better is relegating your rival. 1996, Rayados relegating Tigres to la segunda. Yeah, Tigres needed two wins. Yeah, they needed two wins. And if they lose to Rayados, they are going to second division. And it was that way, a 2-1 win for Rayados. 
Ah, this one hurts. It's like the U.S. beating Mexico in 2002. It's a defeat that can never be erased, can never be yeah. overcome yeah. in the rivalry's history. All right, how about some bonus moments? What's a good rivalry, Herc, without some great celebrations? This one from Aldo de Nigris, the Rayados legend who actually is a product of Tigres Academy and started his career at Tigres. Yeah, stealing that from Guatemoc Blanco. Guatemoc Blanco doing the celebration in front of Ricardo Lavolpe when Lavolpe coached Atlas. They had their issues. Stole it from there, but he did it in front the Tigres fan base. Anakin Skywalker. This man was born at Tigres. Nice little goal. Yeah, was a nice little goal. He would inspire others in the future with similar celebrations. And by others, I mean Hercules Gomez. Oh, Walk us through it. Don't give your boy time. Don't give your boy time. In tu stadio, con tu gente. And I do the celebration. My peoples are up. Look at this. Uh, Jonah. John Orozco, Jonathan Orozco, the goalkeeper at halftime, comes over and put his, puts his arm around me and laughs and he goes, how much time did we give you to pick your spot? It was true. It's true. Plenty of time. Look at that. Duca, smile. <laughs> I just scored. Smile. Oh, even when he's happy. Still angry. All right, so who's going to win? Who you got? Uh, I will stick with Tigres in a 1-0 because they're usually low-scoring affairs in these uh, KG matches. 1-0, Miguel Herrera's men. You? There you go. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, right? I said I would bet on Miguel Herrera in the big game, so, uh, so we'll leave it there uh, for that. Let's get to the top 10 goals from the midweek. We usually don't have top 10, but this midweek was so good, Herc. We'll start with, oh, my God. Our guy, Miguelito Berry, again, good friend of the program. Of course, his brother Alejandro, one of our researchers, a 93rd-minute game winner for Columbus against the New York Red Bulls. Berendowski! Berendowski! Look at the big man <laughs> with the gentle feet. Uh, Miguel, can I recommend an agent? Because you're going to need one after this season. My man was in mm -hmm. USL not too long ago. Sign him! Sign him up! Seriously, what a trajectory, man. Now, you don't see that all the time. Guy goes mid-season into MLS and catches fire from USL. Ahem, credit to Barry ahem, uh, for what he's done. <laughs> easy, easy. Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. Number nine, Joseph Martinez. Oh, so good to have him back and so good to have him doing this against Cincinnati. From somebody who's been there with knee injuries, it takes time for you to trust your body again, especially on turf. It is so good to see Joseph Martinez trusting himself again, and the swagger is back, and good time for Gonzalo Pineda and the Atlanta fan base. How about using the defender there as a screen? So cheeky from the Venezuelan. Number eight to USL. Ball. What's he gonna do? Roots. What are you gonna do, Wall? It's one of those times where you just latch onto the ball and you know it's gonna hit the back of the net before it even hits the back of the net. Connection, it's just on a rope, straight fire. Goalkeeper can do nothing about it. Pick it out of your net. That's number eight. Number seven, college game. Zoe Hassenauer of Oregon against Texas Golasso. I feel like we've had Zoe on the show before. I feel like we've seen these Golassos from her before. Cut her up, left foot. Look at the movement on the ball. Not a, not a lot of spin. Almost knuckles on the, see that little corkscrew at the end? Very well struck. Quality at number seven from the college game. All right, let's go from the amateurs to the pros. CONCACAF Champions League. 
This one of the four for Rayados against Cruz Azul, Duván Vergara. Duván Vergara reminds me so much of Dorlan Pavón in his prime with Monterrey. It is scary. The man can absolutely lace a football. Don't give him the time and the space. You give him half a meter, he will make you pay like he did there. Mm. Number five, back to the college game. Harris of Radford slicing through the Marshall defense and finishing oh, off. Oh, no. Oh, no. The blast. Oh, no. What are you doing, Marshall? On a run. Like, look, at the camera guy can't even get there in time. Well struck, catches the keeper off guard. I mean, somebody's got to step. Somebody, anybody. And crew represented, number four. Joffice, one of his three. Our producer Beto says this was Messi-esque. Wow. Not the one he said was Messi-esque. This is, this is just the first one, right? That's, okay. It's, a goal it's still pretty good. Yeah, but what are you doing here? There's two defenders. You let the ball bounce, and then he cuts you up. You got to know he's going inside to his left foot. You have to know that. Why do you show him out wide? How is he going to hurt you there? And then you give him the time and space. What a finish. The hat trick hero. Number three, back to Atlanta. Shining, Luis Araujo, the Brazilian. Against Cincy, turning. People will never realize how difficult it is to turn and run with a ball like that. There are literally four people around him trying to catch him. He is going at an angle and you still can't catch up to him. Then he just bends the ball around the goalkeeper like that. That is just filthy. USL, Ray Serrano. Man. No, no, Ooh. goalkeeper. No, portero. No. What is he doing? Why did he try guessing? Ray, my man, Ray Serrano. Not to be, not, don't be confused with Ray Romano. It's Ray Serrano. Look at that. Nothing funny about this. Caught him sleeping. Going up top. Beautiful. Out of the USL. Back to La Chofis. This is the one that producer Beto said was like Messi. Dropping Boateng. Oh my goodness. Just sit down. <laughs> Just sit down. Look at Wando. Wando going crazy. This man, he made two players run into each other. Cut him up. He fell. Keeper comes out. Ah, David Ochoa. Davi can't do anything. Look, just, I think he made the, he made the defender as well, too. He had everything. Poise, balance, speed, vision, the finish. Ah, oh, cheeky. I'm telling you, it was a good midweek. We don't usually get to top that 10. That was number one. That was number one, but he scored one more goal. So let's show you that as well. Epic goal or epic fail. It's a, it's a goal olimpico. David Ochoa. You know my, you know my, you know my policy. There is no Olimpico that's not an epic fail. I'm not, I'm not even gonna put this on David Ochoa. Who's on the near post? My man jumped two tortillas. What is going on? Like you could slide <laughs> pieces of paper underneath how high he jumped. If you're on the post, on the line, there's no way you should get chipped. There is no way. My man goes near post. Upper 90 off the corner kick, and you want to call it an epic fail. Upper Give La Chofi some no. respect. That's what the guy's nah. job is. That's what he's doing there in the near post. Jump today. I've been retired for five years. I will reach the crossbar with my neck. Oh, please. Epic goal, baby. Epic goal. All right, dripping or tripping. 2021 Met Gala, or is it Met? 
Met Gala version. Uh, Herc, you always correct me on this. We got Josie Altidore rocking the classy blue suit, and we got Megan Rapino rocking the All-American attire. With his uh, fiance, Sloan Stevens there. Uh, both of them are dripping. But let me get on to my boy Josie, by the way. I got married in a navy blue tux. I can't diss the navy blue tux. That's what your boy got mm-hmm. married in. I love the look. Mm. He enjoyed Hollywood. They stopped some. They stopped traffic, by the way, downtown LA. Not cool, Josie and Sloan taking pictures. You know, I saw traffic was backed up because of you guys. I was one of those people in backed up traffic. And then, and then what are you going to do with, with the prince? I mean, with the princess here. Like, this is just ridiculous look like you just swag all over just dripping i love everything about it absolutely you know a lot of people out there suggest uh megan rapino should go into politics once she's done playing this looks very uh presidential right you can almost see this picture with a rapino 2024 whatever i know i know uh pretty impressive all right that's it for us on this edition of football americas yeah that's it man we ran out of time you, you ran out of hot air. That's it. That's it. We will be back uh, after recovering from the weekend. Uh, we will be back on Monday with another show of Football Americas, 5.30 p.m. All right. Same time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. See you Monday. Hercules, enjoy your weekend. What yeah. you wearing, dog? What bring, you wearing? Bring, bring your earphones. I'm wearing <laughs> Nick Hawk, baby. Oh, I like that shirt. They sent you one, too. That's cool. 